All right. Well, great to be with you guys this morning and excited to preach to you guys as well. And I want to talk about God's will today. God's will. But I want to talk about it not really pertaining to you individually, his will for your life. I don't know what that is. How could I speak into everybody's life today? But what I can do is I can pull out from Scripture what God's will is for us, for all of us, for human beings. What is God's will? So we're going to study a little bit today of God's will. But many teenagers and young adults come up to me and ask, why am I alive? I actually get this question a lot. What am I here on this earth for? And young people ask that question because they, they don't know what to do with their life. They don't know what steps to take. They don't know uh, certain decisions to make, important decisions when you're young. And, um, you know, I do believe even adults will ask this question, but won't tend to ask um, me or Pastor Tim just because you're, uh, well, you're, you know, prideful. So, uh, aren't we? So we need prayer. But uh, why are we alive? Why are we here on this earth? And whenever a young person asks this question to me, I, I'm, thank, I'm so thankful that I can give them a great answer. And I want to give you a great answer today. You are alive in this world right now to make people and the things around you bloom. That's why you're alive. This whole world was created as a garden. Adam and Eve were put in this world to create a beautiful garden, to create a beautiful world, and sin messed it all up. But God's plan never changed. It was always to make the world a beautiful place. And I know that all of us in here are striving for some sort of success. But I will encourage you right now and letting you know that no success is worth it if the world around you, specifically right around you, is ugly. If you have to stab people in the back to find success, my friend, God is not happy with that, right? If your wife and children or your husband and children have a very negative relationship with you because of your actions and words, my friend, you're failing in that part of your life. Why are you alive? To be successful, sure, absolutely. But on your way to success, make the people and the things around you bloom. Make the world around you a better place. I had the honor and the privilege to do a wedding yesterday, officiate a wedding yesterday for Christy and Stephen. And it was one of my most favorite weddings I've ever done so far. Why is that? It's because all the people around them, their friends, and all the, the, you know, I think about all the men that stood on this stage and went down the stairs. They were just loving on Stephen. I don't know if you, everybody knows Christy and Stephen. Special people, special couple. All these men were just loving on Stephen. It was such a beautiful thing to watch. And then there was a row of ladies that went down the stairs this way, and they were all loving on Christy. None of them had to do that. Nobody made them do that. It was the love of Christ on display. They were shining bright, the love of Jesus, on Christy and Stephen. And I absolutely had such a phenomenal time doing pre-marriage counseling with them. They were one of the most funniest couples I've ever done pre-marriage counseling with. And to watch these groomsmen and these bridesmaids gather together to love on Christy and Stephen, to support Christy and Stephen, and to just be there for them and to celebrate them on their wedding day was beautiful to see. I absolutely loved it. I wish all of you could have seen it. It was amazing. That was 
one of the more acts of Jesus being the hands and feet of Jesus that I've seen in a long time. That was it right there. That was it. And so that's why we're alive. But I want to read to you Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. It says this in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Maybe you've got this scripture memorized, but it's such a great verse for us. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Can somebody say amen to that? Let me read to you Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Can I get an amen for that one too? I love the Lord's Prayer in the Bible. How interesting that the disciples asked Jesus, how do we pray? This is Jesus' response. Have you thought about that? I mean, this is the Son of God who's come down from heaven above, walking this earth. Look at this simple prayer he lays out for his disciples, and we're all trying to still follow today. So strange. I, I, you'd think the Son of God would page after page after page of what a prayer would be, right? Because they wanted to know, because he would always separate himself to go to pray. And I, I bet they were just thinking, what are you saying? What are you doing out there all alone? What are you talking about? How are you connecting with your father up above? And he lays out this very simple thing for them. And I only want to read the beginning of it because this is what we're going to draw from today. But he simply says this, our father who are, who are in heaven. There's a lot there, right? How would be thy name? Thy kingdom come. Look at Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is heaven like? It's amazing. And Jesus so desperately wants the will of what's happening in heaven, what God is is willing in heaven. He wants that to happen on earth. As it is in heaven, let it be on this earth. How is that going to happen? How? By loving on your neighbor. By loving on the person sitting next to you. By not neglecting those who need a little bit of love today. By not neglecting people, not thinking people are weird or, or, or ignorant or, or foolish and just dismissing them entirely, but, but taking the time to, to love on somebody who you might not even understand, but just to love on them. Amen? When I first gave my heart to the Lord, one of the first things he did in me was change my heart for people. Because when you're a young boy growing up, you want to be the strongest on the block, and the only way to do that is just to fight everybody you meet. And that's what I was doing. But then when I gave my life to Jesus, everything changed. I immediately just wanted to love on people. I wanted to, I looked at them completely differently. When I was in college, the professors would constantly ask us theology students questions that seemed almost impossible to answer. But now that I'm older and I've studied a whole lot more, I wish I could go right back to those classes and give them the right answer and just shove it right in their face. You know what I'm saying? Because honestly, they'd ask you questions to, to confuse you. And to mess up your whole worldview of God and everything. And then they, they, so they completely tear you down and they try to build you back up. But it's, I don't like that way. Anyway, but they'd ask questions like this. Can God do anything and everything? And you're like a, you know, 19-year-old college student. You're full of brass and vinegar. And you're like, yeah. And then he just completely destroys your whole paradigm after that. Because I'll ask you the question, Tay. Can God do anything and everything? The answer is actually no. You see, the answer is actually no. They'd ask a question like this. Can God make a rock so big that not even he could lift it? 
Interesting question, huh? And you think for a while, and you didn't really know what to do with that, and you were a little bit confused now. Some of the class would say yes, some of the class would say no, and you didn't really know what to do. But the honest answer to this question, because can God do anything and everything, the actual answer is no, he can't. He cannot sin, right? He cannot lie. He cannot do evil. He cannot do anything against his character. So you want to know the will of God? We're going to study a little bit of the character of God today. Because the will of God can be found in the character of God. Because God cannot do everything and God cannot do anything. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he's put eternity inside every single one of us. He cannot destroy life. That's why you live forever. That's why demons are living. Because he cannot destroy life. He cannot destroy life. It is against who he is as a creator. He cannot destroy. So what does he do with sinful people? Where do they go? Because he can't destroy life. He can't end life. What do they do? Where do they go? They're living forever. You're an eternal being you got to go to hell. That's why evil exists. It's because demons and the devils are running around. He cannot destroy life. God cannot do everything and God cannot do anything. So don't look at God as your genie or you just rub the lamp and he can do anything and everything that you want him to do because he cannot do everything. He's got a character and he's got boundaries, but they're good. They're perfect. He's perfectly perfect. Hmm. I believe this is the most important question for our faith today. And I want to say this again because the will of God, which is what we're talking about today, finds its source in the character of God. You learn about the character of God, then you will learn about the will of God. They go hand in hand. See, the challenge comes when we start to think about how this actually works. Because we ask ourselves questions like this. How can God let certain things happen? But if we aren't careful with this question, we will come up with a very scary thing about the will of God. We'll, th- we'll say things like this. Oh, God willed that car accident to happen. Well, that's a strange thing to say and believe with, within yourself, I think. God, God, you know, caused this person to get sick. God caused that thing to happen. And if we aren't careful, we will begin to dread the will of God. And I'll tell you right now, I don't want to come into a a point in my walk with the Lord where I begin to dread and get scared of the will of God. He's going to bring down a hammer, and it's going to come for me, and I'm just going down the road, and I know it's going to meet me right somewhere down the road and smash me into a million pieces and destroy my life because it was the will of God at that point. And that's not what we find in the Scriptures at all about the will of God. But if you don't answer some of these questions correctly, you will actually begin to get scared of the will of God. I mean, that's not exactly what's the that's not at all what the Bible says about who God is. And I felt led of the Lord at this moment in the service to stop and just pray for people who are scared of the will of God, who are dreading the will of God, who are fearful of the future. I want to stop and pray. Let's bow our heads. Oh, Lord God, I think about Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It says, you know the plans, Lord God. They've got plans, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give us a future and a hope. And, oh, Lord, we know that your ways are higher and your thoughts are higher and what you do is much beyond us. But, Heavenly Father, Lord God, we know that you're a good God. And, Lord God, we know that you're going to take care of us right to the very end. Lord, we have never seen the righteous forsaken. And, Lord God, we thank you so much for that. And, Lord, I pray for anybody in this place who's living a life where they're actually fearing the future, fearing the will of God for their life, thinking the hammer's about to come down on them. Oh, Lord God, would you send peace into their heart right now? Would you speak life and love and peace and joy into the middle of their heart right now? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
There's two ways to see God. Two ways to see God. He's sitting up in heaven sending down blessings. Or he's sitting up in heaven and he's sending down cursings. Sometimes that's how we think about God sometimes. He's either sending, he's either up there sending blessings or he's up there sending cursings. I wonder what I'm going to get today. And sometimes we're, uh, we blame God for things that aren't his fault. Like when you're searching for something in the closet and the light bulb goes out. You're like, oh, come on, God. What was that? Really? When all reality was is that you know you should have changed that light bulb a few weeks ago. Right? That wasn't God. That was you. But we do that. We don't want to take blame, do we? Now think about it. Who's, they're, they're evil in the world. The things that happen in this world, we live in a sinful world. We live in a fallen universe. Things happen. We, we're surrounded by sin. We are at times fallen into sin. There's, there's things that happen. <laughs> Matthew 5, verse 45 Look at what this verse says. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. I believe things can be explained better by saying this. Things happen because we live in a fallen universe. People's sin and destruction is unleashed in the universe. And sometimes we suffer because we did something sinful ourselves. We have reaped what we've sown. Can God keep bad things from happening to you? Yes, he can. He can alter paths and change plans because of prayers from his righteous people. Amen? He can. God can keep bad things from happening to you. Does God run the little details of your life? All the little details of your life? Maybe you were lately going to the grocery store and it started raining and you're like, oh no, it's, it's raining. I don't want to get caught in the rain. And you're driving on the parking lot and the only spot you can find is in the back. And you stop and pray a prayer. Oh God, I pray you stop this rain right now. But on the other side of town, there's a farmer who's praying, God, I pray you send the rain. You ever thought about that? So what's happening here? Well, Matthew 5.45, God sends the rain on the just and the unjust. See, does God run all the little details of your life? Well, no. Does God make the sun stand still for every single person who asks for it? No. <laughs> does God answer every little prayer you've ever prayed? He does not. No. God does not run all the little details of your life. I didn't ask God this morning what I should eat for breakfast, did you? You didn't. I had a Pop-Tart. Should I? I didn't pray about it. I felt like something sweet, you know what I'm saying? And there was an orange, and there was a Pop-Tart. And, you know, Pop-Tart, because being healthy is just it's frustrating after a while, right? So I grabbed a Pop-Tart this morning. And, you know, I don't ask God what time I should get out of bed. I can't order God around to make sure my life is perfect. Sometimes he just lets us live in this world as it is and the world around us as it is full of sin, imperfect people, and it's falling. And sometimes we just live in it. Sometimes we just live in it. Hmm. 
When we pray for the Lord's will to be done, we are praying that God's will be done and not our own will. And this is where we get a little stuck is we have a hard time because we're human, we're flesh, and we're sin. We ask for the Lord's will to be done, but what we're actually saying is, God, can you make sure it happens this way perfectly for me? I really would love, like, and I pray these prayers all the time, and so do you. I can't help it. I pray for selfish things all the time, little details even at times. Oh, God, all these things, and I pray for some things. What am I saying? I've lost my train of thought. Oh, yes, here we go. We pray that, that God's, we got to make sure that it's God's will that we're praying, which could be the exact opposite of your will for your life. We must realize that God's ways are higher, right? The Bible says his ways are higher, which means they're not our ways. His thoughts are higher, which means he's thinking things that we're not thinking. He's doing things differently. When we stop and realize this, we can actually stop and say, well, maybe all my thoughts and all my plans aren't God's plans. Wow. So then you stop and you're like, okay, have you ever had epiphanies like this? Where you're like, I think I have been off track for a few lifetime here. Maybe my life has been off, you know? And so we stop and say, okay, Lord, what is your actual will for this place, for this home, for this job, for this human being down here saying, Lord, I'm but dust. I'm made from dust. What do you want from me? What, how can I serve you better? Do we live in a random universe? No, we don't. God is in total control. And his ultimate end will happen no matter what comes at you. This is one of the character traits of God that makes him what I call perfectly perfect. It's because there's sin and there's evil and there's, there's demons from below who are wreaking havoc and creating chaos. And amidst all that, God's will will get done perfectly perfect. That's because he's God. You see, I like that. See, the enemy is working overtime to ruin your life, but God always wins in the end. No matter how many battles it might feel like the enemy wins, no matter how many times it feels like the enemy got one over on you, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have thought that, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, man, what is wrong with me? No matter how many battles, the little battles the enemy might win, I want to encourage you today that the Lord wins the ultimate battle in the end, always, every single time. Amen? Hmm. Some people have an idea about the will of God, and they, they treat it like medicine. If this doesn't taste bad, it's probably not from God. Oh, it's just, I just got to swallow this pill. Man, I, gotta get, I just got to, you know, and I just think that this is some serious, some serious faulty faith, toxic faith. It's like, a, it's, it's like you're, 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 you're beating yourself up. You know, with this kind of faith, I call it like a self-sacrifice kind of faith. It's, it's a toxic faith, actually, to have. God desires to give you the desires of your heart. Not like a, a harsh medicine. 
a, a hard pill to swallow. The will of God is not a hard pill to swallow. I love what my Bible says when Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Put, your, put my yoke upon you for it is easy. And I am gentle of spirit and humble of heart. And I am a good teacher. You see, that's who God is. Amen? Hmm. And at times, at times, the will of God isn't involved in any of it. <laughs> you know who I asked how many kids I wanted? My wife. <laughs> Sometimes God's not involved in any of it. How many kids do I want, Jen? Three. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes we're, at, we're just praying things and praying things and praying things, and sometimes the will of God is, isn't even involved in any of it. There are some things that God does will. There are some things that God does desire. You know what they are? Two simple things. God desires salvation for all of us. That's clear in the Bible, isn't it? That thought right there is amazing. God desires to spend eternity with every single human being on this planet, and he gives them to the very last breath they breathe, no matter how evil of a life they live, if they confess at the very end, repentance and salvation upon Jesus Christ, my friend, they're saved. You see, God desires salvation for all. What else does God desire and want to do in this world? I believe not only salvation, but I believe blessings for all too. I truly believe that. Blessings for all. <laughs> I'm so thankful that God doesn't grade your prayers. <laughs> grade my prayers. Or answer my prayers according to how I perfectly place my words. Hmm. This really strange story I'm about to tell you. I can't even believe it was told to me. I had this professor in college. Maybe the strangest one of the strangest persons I've ever met, this guy. He was teaching this class, and he said he was, well, he was born and raised in Australia, and so he is talking about his time in Australia and about how they were at a church service, and he had preached at the church service, and then they were praying for people, and this person came down with this, this horrible disease that was a terminal disease, and he began to pray over this person, and he just kept saying, I pray you're healed, and I pray for healing, and I pray for total cleansing, and I pray, and, and he just finished his prayer. And at the end of the prayer, he opened his eyes, and this guy was totally healed. Like his skin color came back, he straightened up, and this guy, was, this is the story he's telling. And then he realized he never once said the name of Jesus in the prayer. So he stops and he goes, well, I didn't heal you, Jesus healed you. And he says, oh, bear with me now, this isn't, there's no way this is true. Then he goes, and when I stopped them and I said, wait, I didn't heal you. Jesus healed you. He lost his faith and dropped dead right there on the floor. We were like, what? There's no way. And I don't believe that story. This guy was a weirdo. And I don't believe, I don't believe for one minute, I don't believe for one minute that God all somehow erased the healing because words weren't perfectly placed. And I want to encourage you today that it's not about your perfect words that you pray. It's about your heart behind those prayers. It's about the desires of your heart. God knows your heart. He's not answering your prayers based upon how you perfectly worded them. Oh, no. I said, uh, 
<laughs> we actually have a little joke in our staff about the word just. Oh, Lord, would you just come? Would you just just move? Would you just have your way in this place? And that sometimes would be like, you use the word just too much. It's not going to get answered. It's just a joke amongst the staff. It's a joke because it's a joke. It's not like that with God. God is not looking for amazing theologians to declare some sort of epiphany brought down from heaven to this earth where we just boast and and gloat upon the prayers that we pray. As a matter of fact, the Bible clearly teaches people like Hannah in the Bible who were so desperate for a baby that the priest thought she was drunk. And she was getting ridiculed for mumbling and stumbling and, and, and looking as if she didn't have it all together. But who saw the heart of her prayer? Heavenly Father up above, right? Who answered the prayer, not based upon those words, but based upon the cry of a heart? Amen? And sometimes this is how we think we're going to get success or we're going to get what we want is if we perfectly place our words and somehow get God to answer our prayers. A few years back, I made a prayer list. There were some things going on, and I don't really want to get into it, but... I made this prayer list. I love prayer lists. I don't know if you guys do, but I love prayer lists. One of the great things about prayer lists is I love to check them off when they get answered. It's kind of exciting. I don't know if anybody's ever experienced that before. But I made this prayer list, and I start, I start into my prayer list. Brand new prayer list. Brand new cer- bunch of negative circumstances happening around me. I just thought, I'm going to make a prayer list, and here we go, God. I'm going to watch God move once again. I make this prayer list, and I start praying. And I'm praying. And weeks and months. And not only is my prayer list not getting answered, but my prayer list is looking like a joke (laughs) because the opposite of my prayers were happening. I'm like, whoa, I asked for that person to stay, Lord, and they left. What is going on? That's not what I prayed for. And I'm I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing God. I'm going to keep praying. And then I finally stopped. I was like, wait a second, God, what's your will for this situation? And he spoke to me because I hadn't stopped to ask God, what's his will over this situation? He spoke to me. He said, let him go. I got new people for you. Whoa. I didn't want to let him go. I wanted to hold on. God says, let him go. I got new people for you. When I submitted to that, peace rushed into my heart. I made a decision to just begin to pray for new people and to let them go. Six months later, everything's different. Everything's new. Amen? God is not running every minute-to-minute detail of your life. We live in a fallen universe. But God is totally in control. Hmm. Can you hand me my phone? Aaron, I left it over there. there was a, I got a text message this morning from, from Pastor Tim. He sent us a text message because we were preaching today, and, and he sent us a, an encouraging text message to, to me and Aaron. And it was a verse out of Isaiah 51, 12 through 16. Hmm. And as I read this verse, I just felt like, an, like I should read it to you guys today. So can I read this verse to you? This is what Pastor Tim texted me and Aaron this morning. Isaiah 51, 12 through 16. I, yes, I, am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like the grass and disappear? Yet you have forgotten the Lord, your creator, 
the one who stretched out the sky like a canopy and laid the foundations of the earth. Will you remain in constant dread of human oppressors? Will you continue to fear the anger of your enemies? Where is their fury and anger now? It is gone. Soon all your captives will be released. Imprisonment, starvation, and death will not be your fate. For I am the Lord your God who stirs up the sea, causing its waves to roar. My name is the Lord of heaven's armies, and I have put my words in your mouth and hidden you safely in my hand. I stretched out the skyline like a canopy and laid the foundations of the earth. I am the one who says to Israel, you are my people. That's the God we serve. Great and mighty. Not a genie up in heaven ready to answer every little detail of our life. But a God up in heaven who has big plans and who does big things and invites us to do simple things for him at times for the kingdom of God. Why are you alive on this world, on this, in this world right here, right now? We'll go back to the beginning of the message. To make the people and the things around you bloom. I don't care how much success you have. I don't care how much money you have. If you're not making the people and around the things around you bloom, my friend, you're a failure. You're a failure. You could pass on tons of money to your children and into your children's children, but if they don't love you, you have failed. Right? And, and, and the will of God is that we would spend every waking moment of our lives worshiping him and loving other people. And, and, I would even say this, that why don't we have the band come back up? They're coming right now. That's awesome. Because this is why I want to end. I want you to think of somebody in your life right now who needs Jesus. They're not saved. They're not going to heaven. They're a denier of God. They're a denier of Jesus. They're a skeptic to the end. They're hard. They're, they're, maybe, they're, maybe they're grumpy. <laughs> maybe they're just lost. Maybe they're full of the world. I don't know. But I want you to think of somebody. It is God's desire that you would go after them. It's God's desire that you would show them the way, the truth, and the life. Some of you, this, this whole week, you've got nothing to do. I mean, I'm serious. Some of you. Nothing. Why don't you make it a goal this week to win somebody to the Lord? Why don't you make it a goal this week to put aside your reputation, your your feelings of insecurity, your doubts about being the right person to bring up conversations about salvation. Put all that aside and be a vessel, be, be a willing vessel ready to be used by your Heavenly Father this week. I'm serious. And I'm not talking about just making a Facebook post. As much as they're awesome. But this is about walking up to somebody and having a serious conversation about their eternal soul. A conversation that just might lead them down a road to salvation. And I promise you, my friend, how happy they would be to say, 
when they pass on from this life to the next and they realized they were right. I did believe. I did believe that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. And I did repent of all my sins. And because of that, look it, I'm welcomed home. Oh, they'll be grateful for you. They might mock you tomorrow, but they'll be, they'll be grateful for you later. This is why we're here. This is why we're alive. I believe too many people are worried about little things that don't matter when the big picture, think about the big picture. The big picture. Where are you going to spend eternity? Where are, your, where are some of your friends going to spend eternity? Where are some of your family members even are going to spend eternity? And I'm not blaming you for any, for any of that, but I'm trying to put a fire into you to say, I think this week I can go after somebody. I think this week I can, I can do something that the will of God desires, that all should be saved. Amen? And what a day that'll be when we, sing our, we, when we see our king. Amen? It'll be a wonderful day. Oh, let's read the Lord's Prayer today. Repeat after me if you can. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Can we stand this morning to our feet? What I want to do is worship a little bit. Then we're going to take up an offering for Kendra. And then we'll be dismissed. So let's worship a little bit. Can we do that? Worship team? All right.